I promised you something and I cannot deliver. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to a very special episode of Redundant Colon, the totally original Green Day podcast. Uh, a very, very, very special episode indeed, just like in the 80s when they were telling you not to smoke pot during days of our lives or whatever. Exactly like that. Of course, yeah. we are doing this here. This is Redundant Colon and uh, the totally original Green Day podcast, but we've got a redundant Colin here, don't we? Because that's Colin Brady <laughs> over there, host of Redundant Total Original Grenade Podcast. How you doing? Hello, 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 hello. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And uh, I'd be remiss if I weren't to introduce my co-host and beautiful brethren, Christopher Brady Denton. How are you doing, Chris? Hello there. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Doing okay. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we always talk, Colin, that we're we're major Green Day fans, right? We are, uh, supposedly, allegedly, allegedly, yeah. I'd say, hey, lock me up. It's true. All right. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, the allegations are true. Mm-hmm. But we are cousins, Green Day fans living. We live many miles away from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, that those are all true. We're not in the same podcast studio. We are also mm-hmm. maybe and by we, I maybe I'm only talking about one of us not super great at time management or keeping calendar. <laughs> I think that could easily apply to both of us. I'll be I'll be honest. Well, that's very kind of you, but in this case I am afraid yeah. it does apply to me. Uh you beautiful fans of Redundant, the totally original Green Day podcast, you keep us afloat. You you're the wind beneath our wings. And yet I I darn went and screwed you. I promised <laughs> you something and I cannot deliver. Of course, I'm talking about you tune in this week. You're expecting to hear what, Colin? Father of all motherfuckers, the track-by-track review by the cousins. That's right. And yet... The two Cs, you want us bringing the house down with our fury and fanaticism and love. All we talk about father of all motherfuckers. And I am here to tell you, I'm so sorry. It ain't happening this week. It's happening next week. <laughs> Ouch. We done Ouch. we done teased you and tricked you again. And I, I'm so and I say we, I mean me. I uh I'm so sorry. But before we get into that, I I gotta ask my sweet cousin Colin, uh, how are things up in Seattle? Uh you know, Chris, things are great. Things are great. The winter continues to roll on. I've been I've been skiing more and more still <laughs> somehow. And uh yeah, yeah. Nothing interesting. But oh, dude, life, you're you're a powder fiend. I'm a powder it. fiend. Yeah. yeah. You know, starting starting to send those cliffs too, which is real fun in the powder. The guy lives and, on uh, the slopes, all right? I do. He, he's not a stockbroker, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So things are things are all good up here. But uh but I, I wonder how, how does uh how does it go down in, in LA for you there, Chris? Well, and, yes. and why do you think uh, why do you think we're unable to do this? It's a very important episode this week. I know it's like we with this whole show has been building up to this episode, and and I'm not even delaying it for the longevity of our show. It's not even that. Um, unfortunately, I am filming a uh, a short film that I wrote and am directing this weekend, and uh, it, I don't know if anyone's approached any project like that. But production is just such a time suck. It is such a bitch. And it's it's very rewarding, you know, at the end, hopefully, 
if, if everything goes well. But the, the whole lead up, the whole planning of everything is just, it takes up so much time. And, and if I'm going to be honest with y'all, Father of All Motherfuckers Green Day it's such a deep passion, such a deep love of mine that I don't want to get this one wrong. And and I don't know if you've heard the expression, it's better to do one thing right than two things half-assed. So I, 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 I don't... Is that a real expression? I don't know. I'm sure people have said things like that, right? <laughs> it, it's better to do... I mean, it sounds it sounds right, yeah. I, yeah. Just, I don't think that's a real... real uh phrase or anything i might have gotten the the the, some of the words wrong but yeah it's it's better to do one thing correct instead of uh you know two things not so correct Uh, there you go that's poetic i dig that i respect i respect that so next week when i can give my full attention to the research the edit the green day devotion that it deserves that's coming at you next week this week we're giving you a fun bonus episode you know just something to kind of tide you over uh, and, and perhaps connect to a few interesting things we've talked about in this show before. It's pretty exciting. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, Billy Joe's fifteen songs, his life in fifteen songs, I should say. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. So Billy Billy sat down with um, boy, what is the, what is this it's, guy's name? It's, it's Patrick, Patrick Patrick Doyle Doyle. Yeah, the Rolling classic, Stone. infamous Patrick Doyle. Yeah. When is he not sitting down with the Rolling Stone? You know. The only time he's not mm-hmm. sitting down with Rolling Stones is when he's standing up with Rolling Stone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Green Day likes they're yeah. they're in good with Rolling Stone. They yeah, they're they're in bed together and they always have been. Um it makes me sick. It, it makes me sick because Rolling Stone are a bunch of cool whores. But I will say True. that this actually is kind of a cool article. Billy Joe goes it through is. the fifteen songs that he has written in his life that he thinks define him. Yeah. And yeah. uh, I, it's actually they're kind of, an interesting, interesting set. It's it's an, it's an eclectic bunch, and I was going to say like I actually feel like this, despite all you know the the me unable to keep my calendar and all that, I, I think this mm-hmm. actually is the perfect lead in to Father of All Motherfuckers next week because this is Billy reviewing what he thinks are his best stuff that has led mm-hmm. him to this new record. So this I kind is, of agree, yeah. This yeah. is a great retrospective for us and everyone who's listened to all the past albums that we've reviewed. You know, mm-hmm. what what is Billy actually like? You've heard of what our stupid asses think. What does Billy actually think about all this? Yeah, yeah. And I think it ties together a few uh, of the threads we've been kind of tracing through their discography. Yeah, I agree, I agree. And I, yeah, I think it's, uh, well... I, I don't know. I have nothing else to add to that. I, I was think we say, should. Uh, we we could just keep we teasing. Should, we you. should get into it. We could keep teasing you yeah. like the father of all shit. But you know what? Let's just uh, get into it. This is our article of the week. Article. This is uh, <laughs> through the chronological order of the GD guys releases, and these, these are Billy's top fifteen songs. Number one here, of course, is four oh nine in your coffee maker. Off of the Slappy EP from 1990. And so this is Billy talking the whole time. This is really interesting because we, we've kind of kind of predicted and, and we like to play fantasy. And Billy Joe and Mike and Trey, are <clears throat> they're our little Ken dolls and we play with them and we make up our own stories. <laughs> but it's great to hear Billy actually <laughs> verify some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to see where we were, were right or wrong. Sorry, yo, yeah. what's up? Oh, definitely. So, yeah, he said about 409 in your coffee maker, he said, I just dropped out of high school and I was feeling really lost, like a daydreamer who was left behind. 
I didn't know what life was going to be. I think that's when I'm at my most honest as a songwriter, when I'm feeling lost. So I took this sad feeling and turned it into something that felt more empowering. My interests are longing to break through these chains, these chains that control my future's aims. It's a quote, some lyrics there from the song, of course. My songs were about infatuation up until that point. This one felt like a different version of who I am. I remember when we first started playing it, people were really receptive to it, especially the punks that were on the scene at the time. We had to put our first album out in an EP, but this was where I felt like I had really found my rhythm as a songwriter. I was 18 years old. Wow. That is so impressive. I think I think it really I think mm. it really nailed it too at the the whole feeling lost thing. I think some of their their greatest songs really are about um, yeah, just not knowing what you're doing in life and uh, not sure where it's where it's going to go. Absolutely. And it's so impressive that he's having these you know, kind of very open and honest talks with himself at just 18. True, ha- true having yeah. dropped out of high school. You, you know, I, I know a yeah. lot of people don't even get to these kind of existential thoughts uh, you know, past college. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. It's interesting, for sure. And I, I, I'm not sh- certain, but I, I kind of think I recall us both being pretty into this song in particular when we were uh, covering uh, 1039 Smooth Out Southly Hours. That's right. That was our very first episode all the way back when. Mm-hmm. And yes, I, I, I am certain you were right. With this 409 Year Coffee Maker was one of our favorites on that whole collection. Mm-hmm. Speaking of another favorite, Colin, uh, mm. I think unabashed favorite. Oh my god, this is one of the best songs they've ever written. Uh, 2,000 Light Years Away off of uh, Kerplunk, I believe. Um, so yeah, what Billy says about this one is... Uh, oh, this is so sweet. This is, this is really cute. And, and yeah, I think, I think the listeners may remember this song was written about um, 80. 80? 80. Um, Billy's, Billy's sweetheart from, from way back when, and still, somehow... Uh, I know, right? <laughs> and, and so, and so Billy says says about this one. Uh, on the first tour that, that Green Day ever went, he met his uh, wife Adrian, eighty, at a house party in Minneapolis. And then uh, she asked for an address because we'd run out of our vinyl. And they started become sort of like pen pals and uh, would have like these long talks and run up the phone bills. And then Green Day booked a mini tour and they drove from California all the way to Minnesota. Nobody really knew why they were going to Wisconsin, Minnesota to just play like four shows, but Billy admits now he's really just trying to go to see her again. That's amazing. Which is so cute. And uh, on the way back, he's, he says, is when he wrote 2000 Light Years Away. He says, the song just wrote itself. I put it down on an acoustic guitar and sent her a cassette of it. And uh, when you write a song for a person you're falling for, you don't know what the response is going to be. <laughs> the last thing you want to hear is, oh, you're a stalker. <laughs> um, but it's been exactly. a staple in their set. Yeah. We've all been there, haven't we? You just don't want to Written be called a stalker. killer song. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, it's been a staple in their their sets ever since. I mean, that's. Um, yeah. I think that's such a sweet confirmation of the formation of Billy and 80 right there. I, I agree, yeah. And, and I love that they were... You know, they fell in love the old school way. You know, it was they through really pen pals and long talks on the phone. They couldn't even see each other. That's adorable and, as fuck. I mean, so much so that you're taking your bandmates across the fucking country for a <laughs> no, bullshit so tour goofy. just so you can visit your love. And it's, I mean, it's made that much sweeter by the fact that they are still together, you know, 
30 yeah, years gone. True. Yeah. That's yeah, I, uh, that's romantic as fuck, man. So like that that only makes me love 2000 Light Years even more. I know. That's it's one shit. of the best love songs I've ever heard for sure. Yeah. And I I'd love to hear that original demo, the acoustic just him on the in the car. I know. Oh, I know. Whoa. I wonder if that exists. Oh, That'd be so great. Cool, man. Yeah, if anyone out there has uh, has heard of it, please drop us a line. Yes, have has heard of it or have heard it. Well, I will accept have either. Have heard it, yes. Yeah. Yes. Up next, of course, is another one that I think we lauded its praises. We've uh, certainly had a, a whole little circle jerk over Welcome to Paradise. The number three song here, oh, that man. of course is originally from Kerplunk in 92, and then it was re-recorded and made a single on Dookie in 94. Um, Mm -hmm. Billy Joe says of this song I had moved out of my house in the suburbs to West Oakland into a warehouse that was rat infested and in a really fucked up neighborhood with a lot of crazy punks and friends I was paying $50 a month for rent wow doesn't that sound nice oh my gosh (laughs) right I'd take the rats I'd be like hey rats that's fine 50 bucks a month no problem easily Uh, worth it (laughs) yeah which he says was great because I was in a band and you got paid a couple hundred bucks here and there. So it's easy to pay for rent, eat top ramen, and buy weed. <laughs> and, you know, I, and the man's got his priorities straight. I love that. Yeah. One, two, three. The critical items. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was an eye-opening experience, he says, because suddenly I was on my own, smack out in the gnarliest neighborhoods in Oakland. You look around and you see cracked streets and broken homes and ghetto neighborhoods, and you're in the middle of it. You're scared thinking, how did I get here? Then suddenly, it starts to feel like home. There's the sort of empathy that you have for your surroundings when you're around junkies and homelessness and gang warfare. Hence the quote from uh, the lyrics, Welcome to Paradise, a gunshot rings out at the station, another urchin snaps and left dead on his own. Billy says, I was describing exactly what my surroundings were. There isn't a part of the song that's not true. It's a great life song to crank into. I think the musicality of the bridge is a foreshadowing of what things were to come for us in the future, whether we knew it or not. Interesting that he says that. Yeah. Yeah. About the bridge specifically. I'm trying to actually check it out right now. I mean, I guess the bridge has some sense of American idiot in it a little bit. I guess I kind of feel that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get this. I could kind of hear that. That foreshadowing. Yeah, I never thought of. Right, yeah. I'd never thought of that on my own, but, but that definitely makes sense. But but also but, to our credit, I think, uh, as to the Welcome to Paradise, his thoughts on that song, is that we were, you know, so mm-hmm. so correct, uh, of course, because it, it's what it's about, but just that it's a celebration of poverty and just trying to make it on your yeah. own <laughs> yeah. and being dirt poor. And, like, that's why I love it. You know, I think yeah. It's, yeah. it's empowering in the best way. It really is. It really is. And shit, I mean, who wouldn't pay it? freak out about paying 50 bucks a month 50 bucks for rent you got so much money left for top ramen and weed oh my god i know the three things a human needs to live uh speaking of empowering songs how about this next one huh yeah she oh my gosh this song is so good this is one of my favorite green day songs of all time agree um this this is a track off of dookie um, I believe it was a single. Uh, I think it was one of the last singles off this album. Yeah, I believe it was a radio-only single. A radio-only single, yes. I see. But and, a radio-only um, single is a single nonetheless. I'll have you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, this is just a beautiful, beautiful song. 
I think it's also the first in sort of a string of, of songs that we've all we've talked about uh, that Billy's written about strong women in his life, which is sort of a cool thing. That's right. This is this is a big uh, the beginning of something big for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, so as Billy says about this, I had a girlfriend named Amanda, this Cal student. I learned a lot about feminism through her. She gave me an education that I think was very timely for me. I was just a dumb kid, high school dropout, and she was telling me about the way women have been objectified for so many years, and I was just listening. I wrote this as a love song to her, but it was also about learning about her activism. When it says, scream at me until my ears bleed, I was kind of going... I'm here to listen. I love that. That's so funny. I like that. Right? Yeah. I've always I've always thought that line was hilarious too, but but I get that vibe. I do. I don't know if I don't know if saying that to to someone uh, if they'll interpret I'm just here to listen. I know. But, uh, but if you want to try it, be my guest. That's hilarious, right? <laughs> hey 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 hey! Scream at me until my ears bleed. What what Aww. did you just say to me? Yeah, <laughs> it's all it's all about Aww. the tone. He it's just wants to listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy continues with any kind of activism. The first thing you need to be to do is be a good listener. The song becomes about an understanding. That song is just so good to sing. I'm really proud of it. It's very stripped down, simple, three chords. It's kind of a cult hero. Mm-hmm. It's one of those songs that oh, and here he says it's one of those songs oh. that wasn't a single, but it had a life of its own. And those are special kinds of songs. Amen, brother. Jeez, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. that. That's the perfect description. It's kind of a cult. It's like a cult hero. It is. That's yeah. great. I think most most GD fans are, are huge fans of this track. Uh, well, speaking of huge fans of tracks, I think Ooh, there's many man. huge fans of this next track. Nailed that transition, Chris. You got it. Um, this next song is Longview, of course, also off Dookie, 94. A lot of love for Dookie on this list, but that, you know, can't blame him at all for that. Um, yeah, that's not a surprise. So Billy says about Longview, he said, I really loved the song by the Pretenders called Message of Love and wanted to write a song like that, but we needed a bass line. We were all living in this house in Richmond, California, and I think I went to a movie. Everybody back at the house had dropped acid. So I came home and Mike is sitting on the floor in the kitchen tripping balls and he had this his bass on and he goes, I figured it out, man, I figured it out. He played the bass line for me for the first time right there. I didn't know what to think of it. I was like, well, he's on acid, so I can't tell if he's even going to remember it. Then we ended up playing it the next day and it just stuck. The lyrics to it are, for one, how funny is that? So I, it is acid. That story's confirmed it's acid. Um, and like... That's that is amazing. That's awesome, dude. That's oh, so cool. What I wouldn't give to be a fly on that kitchen wall. Oh, I know. It really sounds like it came from an acid trip too. That's just a bizarre baseline, you know. It's sick, but, but like, boom, boom, who would, who would that decide rolling. that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. I'm so glad he remembered it. I know there's yeah, so many times I'm, you know, even when you're going to sleep, you like think, have a good idea or a lyric or a yeah, joke yeah, exactly, or whatever, and you're like, oh, yeah. oh no, I'll remember it in the morning. I don't want to get up. And she's <laughs> and gone. probably never do. Yeah, it's I know. I've started keeping a little little uh, piece of paper and pen next to my bed, just in case. That's you know, that's that's smart. Happened too many times. I'm trying. Yeah. I, yeah, I have a little notebook too, but sometimes that's even too much. I'm like, well, you know, okay. <laughs> I'd have to pick up the pen yeah. and open the pen. That's uh, too much work. True, but true. That's, you yeah. know, sometimes the melatonin hits you, and you, you need to clock <laughs> out. 
Billy continues yeah. about Longview here. He says the lyrics to it are about a f- are about feeling like a loser watching television, jerking off, and feeling lonely. Again, he's got his priorities straight, right? Those are three the three big ones. Um, <laughs> big big things. Yeah. yeah, I was. It was pretty frightening at the time. I was in limbo. I didn't have a girlfriend. It took like four years for me and Adrian to get together from like 90 to 94. And I want, that's so fucking cool. When I learned that, that's amazing, right? That's wild. Yeah. They must have been pretty crazy about each other. Yeah. I absolutely. Because to, to just be apart for that long, but still keep it like most long distance relationships don't work. They weren't even in a relationship long distance. They're yeah. making it work. Crazy. I know. That's insane. Uh, Billy continues on. This is this kind of connects again to something we talked about, the whole selling out thing. He said, we had signed mm-hmm. to a major label and there was backlash at the time because we had this underground, we had been this underground band. Things felt out of my control and it felt like a make or break deal. It's such a unique sounding song when you really look at it. Nobody was playing rhythms that swing or that kind of power in the choruses. Grunge had turned into something that was bastardized by lameness and... I think we were coming from a place that felt a little harder and more upbeat. It was a super danceable song, and it got people to go crazy. Agreed. I, I've always heard this. And, and you know, Billy, uh, by the way, happy birthday, Billy. His birthday was this week. Oh, yes. Happy yes. birthday, Billy. Uh, this, is, this really is another uh, great excuse why we're doing this and not the father of all. It's because this is Billy's birthday week, and we want to talk about him talking about his favorite songs, okay? Get off my yeah, nuts. Yeah, this is totally planned out. Yeah, yeah get off know. my nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you just get off Colin's nuts, too? Thank you. Okay. They're off our nuts I'd now. I appreciate it. Yes. But I, I've always heard that that kind of Billy thought about Dookie and, and the way, the kind of punk they were bringing in was that just that the grunge was slow and whiny and boring. So even though I know mm-hmm. he tweeted out the other day, that, like a happy birthday to Kurt Cobain. He's like, you're a, you were a weird one. Like, love you. Something like that. Uh, I've mm-hmm. always thought that Green Day was kind of what came in and destroyed kind of the temple Grunge. that Nirvana had built. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of get what you're saying. I, I just don't know if the, the timelines match up quite right. You know, it, it, weren't they sort of a big thing at the same time? Not really. I don't think Green well, Day was Well, they were, after. but was, one was never mind. Because I, I know Dookie's 94. Right. Um, no, no. So Nevermind was 91. God damn it. We're stupid. Whoa, really? So that's what I'm oh, saying. Shit. It was 91. Okay. I think Duke right, is coming out right. in 94 and is like, we're yeah. changing. We're getting back on the dance floor. Okay. This is going to be Interesting. fun again. Yeah. 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 No, I get that. I definitely get that. And then, and then not a year later, right, Colin? They released this next track. Yeah. Um, this next track is uh, off of Insomniac, which is from 1995. And uh, this one, uh, I I believe a good few of you have uh, heard this on the radio. Uh, This is Brain Stew. Mm -hmm. And and Billy writes, this song is such a dark horse. (laughs) Um, I I had just gotten some recording equipment. I came up with the riff when I was experimenting experimenting with it the first time. Yeah, sounds like it. (laughs) Oh, this is so cool. (laughs) It really, it almost sounds like a harder Beatles song, like While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Um, okay, for once, someone, I, I get that. someone, please mash up while my guitar gently weeps with brain stew. Ooh, that'd be sick. Also, definitely keep what? <laughs> what? I think it'd be sick. I think it'd be sick too. I think it'd be really sick. Definitely keep, definitely keep the uh, John Lennon guitar solo though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or it'd not be, John it'd, Lennon, George uh, Harrison. George sorry. Harrison. That's very famously George yeah. Harrison. But yes, I'd say for one, yeah. uh, it, it's sacrilegious. But for two, please do it. 
I think it'd be cool. Yeah, why I think not? it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, the uh, the song is about methamphetamines, not being able to sleep, and just staying up all night. Uh, it was something that was creeping into the punk scene at the time, and uh, Billy admits he definitely did his experimenting with it. But then finishes, it's such an evil drug. So that's good to hear that he's at least like swearing off the drug itself. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I've there's always... a good number of. What's that? I was going to say, that's the thing I always say about Billy that I like him. He's like, look, I've done everything under the sun and I'm here to tell you, like, it's not good. You know, like, it's evil. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've kind of liked about him. But this is such an interesting um, admission because Brain, you know, the Brain Stew was originally titled Insomniac before Mm -hmm. they decided to call the album that and change this to Brain Stew. And right, I've always assumed right. for that reason that this song was just about insomnia and just feeling mm-hmm. delirious. But here's right, the confirmation, right. you know, from the horse's mouth that it's actually about uh, brain stew is actually a more appropriate title because it's about being yeah fucked off your skull with meth, uh, yeah, and you know, freaking out and unable to sleep. It's fucking gnarly. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think melatonin's going to help you there, bud. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe a whole like two hundred milligrams or something. Yeah, jeez. Oh, he overdosed <laughs> on melatonin and meth. There you go. Yeah. The first death by melatonin. Um. <laughs> anyway, Billy says things are getting really scary. I'm such a dedicated songwriter musician, and when Dookie got so big, it was on par with becoming one of the biggest pop records of all time. I really wanted to be like I'm a rocker. I'm a punk rocker. That's what matters to me more than being some kind of pop star, and that sort of fueled this record. Mm. Um. Yeah, and I, you, that definitely comes through. This record is really fucking gnarly. It's it's not nearly as uh, accessible, accessible as like Dookie is, for example. And and yeah, and that is interesting. You know, like I think Billy is always the first to acknowledge, or maybe not these days, but back then at least would. I mean, I guess he gave this interview, so he's kind of acknowledging it. But that he would uh, would put on airs sometimes for the expectations of what a rock star should be. Yeah, yeah. and you have to try it on to realize that maybe that's not very healthy or all it's you know all it's cracked up to be yeah, yeah all it's exactly. cracked up to be yeah i feel that for sure and uh yeah and just to finish up here um billy says everything was happening i got married i had a kid i was 23 years old Jesus. people were climbing in my trees to look inside my house which God. fucking that's terrible um yeah, it's so scary it was it was the scary side of becoming a rock star or whatever you can't control the outcome of your life i wanted to show the uglier side of what green day was capable of and that's brain stew, baby. Mm-hmm. I love that. I can't, I, I mean, just that sentence, I was married, I had a kid, I was 23 years old, and people were climbing in my trees to look inside my house. That's fucking that's crazy. wild. Yeah. It's amazing he kept it together as well as he did, honestly. Yeah. I'm, I'm not married. I don't have a kid. I'm older than 23. Uh, no one's ever climbed in my trees to look inside my house. That's all I'm going to say. As far as you know. Oh, well, that's nice, Colin. You're right. <laughs> I should be positive. Maybe someone has. <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, there's always time left for you to accomplish your dreams of having stalkers uh, mm-hmm. invading your personal space because mm-hmm. they're so obsessed with you. One day. Yeah. The next song on the list here is a big one that everyone knows. It, it's actually surprising that he put it on this list, but uh, this is Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. And this was another kind of big transition for Green Day. That, of course, was off Nimrod, the very long uh, kind of uh, mix of many different genre album mm-hmm. from 1997. 
and Billy says of this, I, I wrote Good Riddance back when I was writing for Dookie. It was for a girlfriend who was moving to Ecuador. I went to this house party in Berkeley where all these college students were passing an acoustic guitar around and singing songs. Uh, quote, weird dudes with ponytails and an acoustic guitar kind of moment. I think we all know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, I've certainly been to a few weird dudes with ponytails and acoustic guitar moments myself. Yeah, that's I, I mean, I, I'm yeah. afraid I might have even been some of the weirdest dudes with ponytails and an acoustic guitar. <laughs> Do you have a ponytail but, ever? I don't know about that. I, I did have a ponytail at one point. My hair oh. got so long, but uh, wow. you know, it, hopefully that wasn't a long period, and I, I didn't pick up too many guitars during that period. But who, yeah, we who can, knows? We can only hope. Yeah, we can only hope. Um, Billy goes. I remember going. Oh man, I should try doing an acoustic song. So I wrote that song about her and the end of our relationship. Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial. The uh, lyric, of course, from the song, he says, mm. I had tattooed her name on me, and then I had to get it covered up. That's all that was. Isn't that <laughs> fucking wild? That's insane, yeah. I love that. That Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial is such a more poetic way of saying, I got your name tattooed on me and I had to get it covered up because we broke yeah. up. <laughs> that he, he turned such a white, trash, stupid thing into a... A, a poetic line. statement. Yeah. Yeah. He goes on to say it's about trying to be cool, accepting that in life, people go in different directions. This was a wildly different direction. I was getting ready to go on tour and promote Dookie, and we had a single on the radio, and everything was starting to happen. She was moving to Ecuador to continue her studies and live with a family there. People come into your life, and it's wonderful, but they seem to go out of your life just as quickly as they came in. That's what the song's about. We can all relate to that. It's a, it's a, it's what's her name all over again, right? Yeah, I love such that. a sad feeling, but we all, we all know it. Yeah, and it happens all the time. Sometimes you'll, you'll know someone just for a couple of days. Yeah, but yeah. you'll just think of them years later. You're like, wow, that, that really, they, whether they know it or not, they really made an impression on me. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It is interesting. Yeah, makes you wonder yeah. what, what it is that really causes a memory to stick. But it's hard to say. I know. Oh God! And there's all these studies that you can't even trust your memories, right? Yeah, you're, true. You're, you're, you're you're taking things out of your memories that the other person might not even realize or remember, or might yeah. not have even happened. You know, exactly. You just kind of twisted it. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, uh, Billy and this song's kind of uh, now we're realizing an anthem for that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and Billy goes on. So I wrote it in '93. The whole song was done, but I didn't think it was going to be for Green Day. Then we were doing Insomniac. I had a demo for it, but it wasn't right for that album either. No kidding, guy. Oh, my gosh. That would have been out of place, right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. But between all the meth songs. Um, I didn't really know what to do. When we made Nimrod, I was just like, let's see what happens. And I was going way outside what Green Day was known for. And it was amazing. It opened up to a brand new world. Like, oh, fuck, we can do so much more. And then he goes on, and this is the this is hilarious. It took on a life of its own. I was definitely not thinking about weddings and graduations when I wrote it. <laughs> a girl just sent me this message on my Instagram saying she had a brother that had just passed away, and it became the song her family would listen to that they related to their experience. It's really beautiful when you think about it. That's cute. I'm glad that he's embraced that that it has a life of its own, like you said. It really does. And I was to say, I've been at several funerals where people have played that song. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, and it's it's uh yeah, I mean it's and, and graduations and and weddings, all the things he he's listed and it's almost become cliché it happened so much. Mm-hmm. Uh but that's how you know it's like a real cultural phenomenon. 
true is when true. now it's kind of a joke if someone were to to like i don't know play that at their wedding you'd go oh you kind of roll your eyes again <laughs> yeah is that again are you kidding me oh it's uh, been done it's been but done. that's a testament to its staying power true true and it's a great song if you listen to it just on its own it's a good song it's well written oh it's, beautiful it's melody a great song. everything about it yeah and I think everything we just talked about makes it even greater. It's actually about something kind of so much more bittersweet than yeah. uh, a lot of people interpret, you know? Right, right, yeah. It's it's not about graduating from high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Well, moving on here to uh, the next song on our list, it is uh, Minority off of uh, their 2000 album, Warning. Um, oh, that's a gr- and we love this album. This is a beautiful, right. beautiful album, a, beautiful song. Yeah. Well, maybe not beautiful, yeah. but but cool as fuck. But um, fun as hell. Yeah, exactly. And I think Billy, well, obviously Billy loves this song, but they, they play it all the time still. It's like a, it's a um, really common one to see live. I think this I song has like grown in popularity. Yeah, it's, it's really you know? weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's popular when it came out, but I don't think it was that big a deal, you know? Anyway. Well, yeah, this album represented kind of a low in sales for them after Dookie. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a lot of these singles didn't do super well on the charts, but I think are now really beloved. This whole album, I think, is really beloved by the fandom yeah. and, and by radio. Like, yeah, you'll hear the warning singles often. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and yeah, so Billy writes here, uh, after time of my, <laughs> time of my life, time of your life, I started getting into playing more acoustic <laughs> guitar. And I really wanted to have more for Warning. And there was also a lot of kind of bad pop punk that was starting to happen, and I wanted to go against that genre. This felt like the next step. I had been getting into listening into more of the Kinks of the Who. Uh, no shit. Found a lot more power in... Yeah, obvi. <laughs> found a lot more power in an acoustic song and used the, gu- the, the guitar almost like a drum. The Pinball Wizard is so percussive. Also a freaking great song. Love that song. I wrote this right before the election between George Bush and Al Gore. Uh, I started feeling the political wheels starting to turn towards, towards conservatism a little bit. I think that song is sort of about declaring that you're stepping out of the line and you're not part of the sheep, trying to find your own individualism. Felt like we were diving into something that was more conceptual for sure. Definitely. And mm-hmm. that's so interesting that, you know, he's, you know, even before Bush was president, he was kind of sensing this cultural shift. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is really which, interesting. Again, we, we've, you know, now here in the future, he was completely correct. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to think about it too much. Um, no, but I mean, these are the doldrums of society, unfortunately. You know, this society yeah. is always shifting between more liberal and more conservative. And we've we've uh, been through two of those doldrums, I would say, since. True. Uh, warning True, came yeah. Out. yeah. It usually yeah. happens every decade. So, yeah, it's right, been two right. decades. Crazy. The pendulum. The pendulum. Yeah. Eternal. That's right. And then he finishes here with, uh, which is really interesting. I'd like to go back and re-record that album. It was yeah. right when, when Pro Tools started happening. I want to go back and just do everything more live because I think Minority Live is a lot better than it came out on the album. But that's just one of those things that you think about too much. I agree, Billy. I think you're thinking about that too much. <laughs> that's not the yeah. album you should be regretting. Um, we, we, <laughs> There's the a mix. couple other ones. Yeah. The No, because I think, I, think I, I hear what he's saying and I, and I think Warning is more fun live. Because mm-hmm. there's like thousands of fucking people screaming every lyric back with you. Yeah. Like, I true. agree. I, like, Warning Live is one of the great joys of being a music fan in general. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the album sounds great, I think. Um, I, maybe he's saying they maybe compressed stuff too much. They did too much digital 
mm-hmm. work through Pro Tools. You know, who knows? But yeah, it's hard to I, tell I really, when you're just listening to it. I think. I mean, yeah, I, well, I can't really tell. But I've always thought there's like a, there's a there's a crisp kind of uh, acoustic rhythmic feel to the whole album. Mm-hmm. But it it yeah, there's not like distortion and like weird ambience and stuff. Right, you know, it's, right. it's just very yeah. clean and crisp very rhythmic and but i love that i think that was the yeah. whole stylistic you know joy of that album yeah yeah i think it's produced quite well but that's just me speaking of produced quite well uh, <laughs> i'm not talking about your two boys here i'm talking about this next track jesus of suburbia off of billy's list we know he loves this one don't we oh my gosh oh my gosh yes i think this he is- said this was his favorite one yeah, yeah in a recent interview this was he said this is his bohemian rhapsody uh, couldn't agree more. This yeah. is off American Idiot from 2004, of course. Billy says of Jesus of Suburbia here, he said, I loved a quick one by The Who, and I decided I'd love to write a song that felt like a mini opera. We had a studio that we could work everything out of and experiment, and Mike Trey and I had been coming up for little 30-second vignettes and trying to connect them in the studio. After I wrote American Idiot, I was like, who is this character? Then the idea started firing at me. I'm the son of rage and love, the Jesus of suburbia, the Bible of none above. It felt like I was in uncharted territory really for the first time. I'd taken my songwriting to another level. It starts almost doo-woppy and then it ends up almost going with the sort of Black Sabbath direction. It's kind of around the world in eight minutes or something. I love that. And Jesus of suburbia ended up becoming the character that ran throughout the entire album. It's kind of around the world in eight minutes. That's, That's exactly so what this song is. Yeah. 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 And I think it's so cool too that that Jesus Suburbia, like this was the the kernel that started uh American Idiot as a whole, you know. This is really like the root of it all. You know, yeah, the greatest the, the, album of all time, as they say. Right. Yes. <laughs> as as they say, and by they we mean everyone. Everyone. Yeah. That's yep. yep. And don't don't ask where we got that stat. And they <laughs> Jesus Suburbia I, I, I always I've heard him tell that story before where the lines I'm the son of rage and love the Jesus of suburbia came to him and he's like you know and they just kicked my ass and yeah it is so cool him acknowledging that this is the kernel that started the ambition of the entire rest of the album yeah you know we, yeah. we weren't just doing singles and catchy tracks anymore this was going to be something cohesive I'm glad I don't yeah I don't have I don't have much to say I don't either it's, man because we've talked about I we've talked that song so much but it's we funny have. that that was a that was off American Idiot, and this next one is as well. Yeah, I mean, it says it says something about the album. Um, yeah, this next track is "Holiday" off American Idiot, which was uh, one of the first few singles. I don't recall exactly which, but and I was gonna say my uh, first favorite Green Day song. I was gonna say the same thing. Nice, That's so yes, funny. yeah. <laughs> this this song got me into Green Day. Um, came out at the right time. Got introduced to it at the right time, and good message. Freaking, just a freaking banger. Yeah, good yeah. message. Um, that that freaking banger's got a good message. It does. <laughs> and so Billy says uh, that was a time when our country was moving into a war with fictitious for fictitious reasons. A lot of it had to do with politics and oil. It felt like the country was beginning to come apart. I think the catalyst of where we're at now, really, is with George W. Bush. So this song was just about trying to find your own voice and your individual individuality and questioning everything that you see on television, in politics, school, family, and religion. 
I was jumping into character a little bit. I wanted something that sounded very nasty. Mm -hmm. I definitely wanted to do something that was provocative. Mm. Be provocative. The people. Wait, what's uh, yeah. that line? What's that Will Ferrell line? Oh. Uh, sorry. Never Nobody mind. knows what it means. It's just provocative. There we go. <laughs> yeah. It gets the people going. There we go. Yeah. From Blades um, of Glory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, Sieg hail to the President Gasman invoking old Nazi Germany propaganda films contrasted with the American branches of government. I was just kind of messing around and using the English language against itself. With the riff, I was messing around with chords in a different way and putting in some echo and delay on it, doing what I normally do and trying to come up with riffs. Wow, dude, so interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that last part about riffs was whatever, but I think, yeah, the, the, the whole thing about uh, using the English language against itself. I think mm -hmm. you said that before, but I love it every time. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that really, I think the lyrics for American Idiot are, are some of my favorite on a, you know on an album, and exactly. and Holiday Holiday is one of the main reasons for that. I think it is just just in the words alone, such a, I mean, almost like a Bob Dylan song. You know, it's it's Ooh, a poem wow. for our times. High praise, yeah, yeah, definitely. And that and that uh, that bridge that they messed up so bad in the Broadway musical. With the oh, Zig Hell to the President Gasman, you know that's that bridge is is killer. It's awesome. It's yeah. a, it's a killer. Uh, it wandered in all fifty states, right? Because it's a killer. <laughs> um, exactly. And and if you you know got a killer in all fifty states, you ma probably want fifty guns. But unfortunately, all we've got is twenty one guns. Because that's the next <laughs> song coming up. <laughs> yes, this uh, is on Billy's list from 21st Century Breakdown from 2009, of course. I, you know, the very ambitious double album, the follow-up to American Idiot, that Colin and I, I think, agree is, you know, we love, uh, but it's a bit, It's a, it needed a little editing. It was a bit too much. Just just a bit, just a bit. It's pretty yeah. good, though. It oh, is. I think it's pretty, pretty great. But yeah, I... Yeah, it's not American Idiot. That, that's all I can say. I mean, yeah, you can't really be the greatest album of all time. So, Yeah, you can't do it twice because then it would yeah. cancel out one, right? Exactly, so that's, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the bitch of it. Um, but yeah. the 21 Guns of Here, of course, was the biggest hit off that album. And Billy says about that, I got really burned out because I was pushing myself to take things to a new level musically and lyrically. And that got pretty serious and dark. And I think that's talking about wanting to follow up American Idiot, the pressure of that, you know. Um I had this feeling of wanting to surrender. I was just kind of living like a tortured soul and you end up kind of torturing the people that are around you, whether it's your family or your friends, and nobody understands what it is that you're going through. And maybe it's just part of being an artist or the pains of getting older. So that's sort of where the song is about, where you just kind of get so lost in what you're doing and at some point all you're doing in life is just trying to find your way back, maybe back to sanity. Sometimes you have to figure out what's worth fighting for because you might just be fighting yourself. I think that's the one thing that's a theme throughout a lot of my songs, the feeling of being lost. Boy, that's kind of familiar. Yeah. He was mentioning that earlier, even in this very interview. Yeah, I think that right. was in the first song, right? Um, 409 in Your Coffee Maker? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, 21 Guns, it's, it's not my favorite song in the world, but I do like it. Yeah. I, again, I think agreed. it kind of got overplayed. So, so Green Day fans maybe have a chip on their shoulder about it. I, I know yeah. I do. But, yeah. but it is interesting hearing him talk in, in hindsight that it was coming from a really dark place. Yeah, it is. And I mean, it, I think it probably is, is reflected in 
you know, the trilogy following this and his breakdown and all that. Um, I, I kind of um, get the feeling that's sort of what he's talking about here. Well, that's a great point, man. Let's just, I mean, to that, let's just keep rolling to the next one because speaking of the trilogy. Yeah. Um, here we go. Man, this next track is uh, off of Uno, the, the first uh, album from the trilogy in 2012. And this song is uh, Fell For You. Um, this one seems like a weird pick to me. Like, it's not a bad I song, agree. but I just don't get it. I, it's, it almost feels uh, yeah. to me like he had, he had to pick one song off the trilogy and he decided on this one for some reason. Well, that's but, what, I, what I think is so funny just before we even look at what he said. But it's like, yeah, yeah. Right, Dookie had like three tracks, right? American Idiot has two tracks on this list. So it's like the, the, yeah. the biggest albums are represented with more than one track. Yeah. The trilogy here has by, you know, what, 30 some songs. Yeah. <laughs> only, and you only choose one of those 30 yeah. songs. I mean, just that, even despite yeah. you know, whatever he says, is I think an acknowledgement of failure there. It's true. Uh, it's true. I, and I also find it very curious that it was Phil for you. That's never been my favorite off the trilogy. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad, particularly bad one, it's but like it's a definitely fine not a particularly interesting one either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it kind of does make me want to go back and listen to it again after this and, and see if there's something I'm missing or something. Hey, yeah. Maybe it'll make it onto our Udo track, right? Who yeah. Knows? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, um, Billy says... <clears throat> I always wanted Uno Dos and Trey to be our power pop exile on Main Street. And I understand it sounds a bit stiff and the production isn't great. Hear that, um, people? Do you hear that, people? He admitted Billy it. Billy Joe said that. Wow. The production anyway. isn't great. Shots fired at Rob Cavallo. Cavallo! Um, I love these songs, but a lot of it feels half-baked. It was a weird time. I sort of had my own private nervous breakdown. Well, it wasn't really private. <laughs> <laughs> um... I think it was just a lot of exhaustion. There's like 36 uh-huh, songs sure. on that album. It's insane. But when I revisit it, Fell For You is what stands out. I was huh. listening to a lot of power pop music. I always say that power pop is the greatest music on earth that no one likes, whether it's something like Cheap Trick. That's hilarious. Or another band. <laughs> that was like, let's just write gooey bubblegum song about dreams and love and crushes and all this stuff that keeps us, that kind of keeps us alive. I love that power pop is the greatest music on earth that no one likes. I know. That's yeah, hilarious. And like listening to Fell for You, I agree. Yeah, I feel <laughs> that. <laughs> um, and he finishes, those things never really stop as you get older. You always come across people that you want to spend time with, but you have to be realistic about it. When you're a kid, it's okay to be more impulsive. When you grow up, it can cause a lot of wreckage in your life. So it's best to maybe write a song about it. Yeah. Interesting. And Yeah, you know... I, I'm glad that he can revisit and like it. I know him and the long shot played it recently uh, on New Year's mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's cool. But I mean, I'm next to a stay the night or a nuclear family even uh, like or, or same, a stray yeah. heart. I, I just think it's, I think fell for you is a, is a weaker selection. It's the only one on this list. I disagree with actually. Yeah. Uh. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one of the few that I disagree well, with. Try this next one on for size. Uh, this is ordinary mm-hmm. world. Uh, of course, from Revolution Radio, which we just talked about last week, uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy says uh, about this, uh, I was in a movie called Ordinary World in 2016. The director, Lee Kirk, wanted something that kind of summed up the character's life. Uh, and we, we kind of mentioned some of these last week, I believe. He said he had a couple strikeouts with uh, Outlaws, which is also a song on Rev Rad. It's and crazy. Writing... That's like the best song on Rev Rad. Yeah, it anyway, is one of the sorry. better songs. Uh, no, <laughs> no worries. 
And I ended up writing this song, Ordinary World, that sounded more country. And it just sort of fit the movie. It's about family, really. Um, it's just finding out that things in life that are more simple are actually the biggest connections that you have. We tend to overthink the things that are not really important. Uh, Lord, I hope that's so true, true, Billy. <laughs> yeah. I think this song, this is sweet. I think of this song as an extension of 2000 Light Years Away, 20 something years apart. I think I quoted that last week. Mm -hmm. um, he said, I value my relationship so much. I'm very deeply connected to Adrian. I'm very deeply connected to Green Day. And he said, you know, roots matter to me. So, so you know, this song is, uh, I think you liked it more than I did, but I felt bad about that. I, I wasn't more enthusiastic about it in hindsight. So I'll just, I really like Ordinary World. It's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm glad it, I'm glad he put it out. And I'm sorry yeah. for being, a, being all stubborn about it. <laughs> Apology accepted on behalf of Billy. Thank you, Billy, <laughs> my Billy surrogate, Colin. Um, but this next one is something I'm looking forward to talking about in the future. Yeah, this you is very this interesting. Um, yeah. I've only heard it once and it's been a while. I actually do not really recall what it sounds like. Um, I feel kind of bad. But uh, this song is Love is for Losers. Uh, and this is not actually Green Day song. This is from Billy's side project, uh, The Long Shot. And if mm -hmm. any of you have not heard it out there, please go hear it. It's actually really good. Uh, by the uh, way, the whole album is really good. I can't wait to talk about yeah. it in one of our future episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Billy says, I recorded an album as The Long Shot, which was kind of just an extension of Uno, Dos, and Tre, except where I produce it myself and not overthink it. <laughs> I think the not overthinking it was a big plus. Yeah, right. I, re I recorded all the instruments myself and just started putting stuff out on SoundCloud and re so releasing cool. little clips on Instagram. Taught me how to have fun with making records again. How cool it can be, you know? It was this concept that ended up turning into a real band. I was dipping into music that's, that's way more rock and roll and more like, I would say, mid-career replacements or this band I love called The Exploding Hearts. I was also thinking of the Ronettes and early Beach Boys. I remember now when I he's came just bragging. up. <laughs> now he's just showing off. True, true. I know other I, band names. <laughs> I remember when I came up with the uh, riff in that song, and I love the first line. I'm riding shotgun in a car that's broken down. Mm -hmm, that's great. It's just like you're going absolutely nowhere. It's sort of the anti-Valentine's Day song. I think I got back to something that felt more self-deprecating and dumb. And when I'm dumb, I'm at the at my best. <laughs> I love that, Billy. Amen, That's a brother. great quote. Jeez. Just keeping it simple, learning how to have fun making this music again. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and yeah, if you haven't heard that album, check it out. The Long Shot, they're fantastic. They have several EPs in this one record, and I, I hope they he makes more stuff because it's so cool. And it's cool knowing, too, that he was playing all the instruments you're hearing. I know. I actually did not realize that part. I think that's so the really drums cool. and the bass and everything. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. That 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 the long shot made me feel like Green Day. You know, like Billy still had this spark, and so it's yeah. it's cool to hear that he thinks that too. Definitely, definitely. And and finally, that brings us to the very last song on his list. His last of of Billy Joe's fifteen songs that have defined him, and of course, that's Father of All. Dot dot dot. Father of All Motherfuckers, of course, off Father of All Motherfuckers from 2020. Uh, Billy was saying about this, I was getting deep into Motown and soul music, and I was trying to channel that. You have to kind of thread the needle with Green Day to make sure that all of a sudden we're not just trying too hard to be something that we're not. Interesting. <laughs> it takes a weird balance. I had the riff, and I sat down with Trey, and we did a demo. 
I've been listening to the first couple of Prince records. He really threads the needle on ticking every genre. He was taking funk, R&B, and old classic rock music, and he was able to turn out that sound that's so uniquely Prince, and everything is in falsetto. I wanted to try to sing through a falsetto. I was like, I don't want to sound like me necessarily. Interesting. That's interesting, yeah, and right? It, it, definitely come, it definitely comes through, for sure. That comes across. Yeah. I, I, I would say, uh, Billy, you are you, whether you like it or not. But I appreciate you trying something new. But, <laughs> uh, you know, like, I don't want you to be Prince, Billy. I want you to be Billy. You're my Billy. Aww. Anyways. Yeah, you're my little Billy, and I, I just want to give you a hug. You, I don't want you to change. Billy continues, at this same time, I was in this kind of weird depression, and that's what the song is about. I was just struggling, struggling in life, and I think it has to do with reflecting on the current culture that we're in. It's hard to write songs about Trump. With American Idiot, there was a rallying cry. With Trump, it's kind of this toxicity that's in our culture, and we're deeply, deeply divided to a point of paranoia that we've never felt before. It's just bloody and it's gross. There's a line, we are rivals in the riot that's inside of us. I feel like that's what's happening in our culture. There's this civil war that's brewing. With Mike throwing the bass on top, it just sort of created this ultimate Green Day song. I've never been more proud of a single before in my life. Whoa. Okay. That's a big statement. Yeah. I think that was, I think he's just getting a little excited there. But don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not a bad song. No, I like Father of All, but Basket Case is better. So way better. <laughs> and that wasn't even on this list, was it? That's crazy. no, it wasn't. That's crazy. That's crazy huh? Yeah, but you know, I, I, having sat with Father of All, but more now, I can't wait to talk about it with y'all next week. Um, mm-hmm. I understand him being excited. It, you know, th- there's a lot of new influences, and I'm excited to dissect them all. Me too. Me too. Got to do it properly. Uh, anything on this list that you really object to, Colin, before we get out of here? Um, I think the only two would be Fell For You and probably Father of All. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 How about you? Yeah, but I, I mean, Brain Stew, I don't understand. I think there are better songs on in, Insomniac than Brain that's Stew. That's true. That's true. I agree. Yeah. I'd love Walking Contradiction to be on here, but again, this, this is that's why it's not for us to tell; it's for Billy to tell. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, so, but, but I agree with you that the the big one for me is definitely Fell for You. I don't understand that. Yeah, that's the 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 stick out for sure. It should have um, been Nightlife, I mean, honestly, right? Or Lady yeah. Cobra? Oh, obviously, like those two choices. Obviously, Nightlife. Solid. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> even Ordinary World. I like that song, but I don't. I don't think it's really even the best song on uh, Revolution Radio or anything. But that's yeah. all good. Yeah, but but I I think we we learned a lot about Amanda. We learned a lot about his relationship with Adi, uh, mm-hmm. how he currently feels about the trio, the trilogy. Pardon me. And uh, yeah, just just how quickly fame can just kind of blow up your life. It's it's quite a it's quite a amazing story he has. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Billy. God bless you. Yeah. We love you. We love you, little Billy. He's my little Billy goat. And uh, in any case, we're getting tired and loopy here, folks. I'm sorry. But we cannot wait to be back at you next week for Father of All Motherfuckers. Finally, we're not going to tease you again, okay? We promise you this time. It's going to happen this time. I swear, okay? <laughs> um, please rate, review, like, do whatever the good people do on Podomatic.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, uh, 
you know, you can you can check us out uh, uh, on Gmail. Write if you have any questions, concerns. Uh, just to say hello at redundantgreendaypod at gmail.com. Of course, check out Twitter where we have all the fun birthday wishes. Uh, Colin, mm-hmm. what's that Twitter? Uh, that'd be redundant colon, the totally original Green Day podcast, or uh, at Green Day Pod. Great. And and that's that's all I can think of. There, we didn't do lyrics this week, so I don't know how. We're, what's our outro? Uh, maybe just one of the quotes. Yeah? One of the quotes he says? Let's see. Well, that's a good idea. When you grow up, it can cause a lot of wreckage in your life. Chris? So maybe it's best to write a song about it. That's, that's the shit right there. Remember to keep it on Redundant, the totally original Green Day podcast. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye-bye.